This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. Hello, and welcome to Beltway Banthas, a Star Wars podcast live from the hive of scum and villainy in our very own galaxy, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Stephen Kent, flying solo today to bring you a special off-week episode of the Beltway Banthas podcast, this week entitled, Holy Star Wars! Holy Star Wars, Batman! Last week, I was the guest of a different podcaster by the name of Jason Flat on his program, Holy Star Wars, a podcast dedicated to dissecting uh, myth and legend, uh, religion, and all these other things that sort of circle around the, uh, the ethos of Star Wars. And we talked about the idea of redemption. Just as politics and Star Wars are intertwined at almost every turn, so is religion and Star Wars. Uh, There is an undeniable amount of connections and influences drawn by George Lucas and put into Star Wars to really build out that universe and also uh, the theology that drives uh, this franchise. So it was really nice to take a break from the normal political chatter of our weekly show and talk a little bit about religion, which obviously is related to politics in so many ways. Jason Flat runs a fantastic podcast, which I hope after hearing this interview that appears on his show, you'll consider checking out. Uh, the topic of our conversation is, is three-pronged. It's Darth Vader, Jesus Christ, and also uh, the meaning of redemption. Uh, On Holy Star Wars, Jason Flat likes to bring people on to discuss Star Wars and then one or two other properties that are connected to the topic at hand. So I actually brought to the table the movie American History X to dovetail with all of the, I think, news uh, surrounding our political environment these days post-Charlottesville, the resurgent visibility of white nationalists and Nazis in American political discourse. So without any further delay, I will take us to an interview that I did on the Holy Star Wars podcast with Jason Flat. Enjoy. How would you define redemption? I think it's a tricky question, right? Because part of the stumbling block of this entire episode um, that we're doing here is how redemption is defined um, historically versus contemporarily. And I went into this and researching and kind of getting ready to talk about this a little bit more in depth than I normally would, um, just by looking up the definition of redemption. And it, and it goes against the way that I kind of have always thought about it and used the word in conversation. Because when we talk about redemption, it sort of in in the cultural zeitgeist has been um, merged with the idea of salvation um, and the idea of uh, a clean slate. And that is so far from the truth of the word. So I think to answer your question directly, and then we can kind of go back around um, to nitpicking those answers, my 
definition and use of redemption has always been the idea of clean slate, um, switching from the black robe to the white robe and being clean um, and also uh, being forgiven uh, of sin and of wrongdoing and of hurt. Um, but the problem is that that's actually not the definition. So what about you, Jason? How do you think about redemption and how have you always um, defined that word in, in your life? Yeah, I think that exactly there's the there's the common vernacular definition of redemption that we will often use that is well there's the like the the definition of redeeming as in like you're turning something in to receive something else but i think that the 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 definition that we use in in common parlance is mostly like with regard it's to morality and it's about whether you have yourself done deeds that will exactly you know take you from that black robe to the right white robe whether you um it's something that you personally as an individual are capable of achieving through you know a change in the kind of actions you're taking or the stances you take and through the the um changing the morality with which you're acting and then there's the other side of it that i think i get more from um my own religious background and the use of, of redemption in Judaism, we refer to, you know, we were redeemed from Israel, from Egypt as slaves. Um, mm -hmm. That's, you know, comes right from, right from Torah and from the Bible. It, it, no matter what translation you're using, it uses the same words of, of redemption because it's about, um, it's often seen as this idea of second chances where it's not something that you yourself in this context made happen. Jewish people did not necessarily um, repent from for their sins and decide that they're going to act differently so they were saved. It's more a matter of just this is a second a second opportunity that is going to begin and that redemption is the the just that it, it is a new this is the second time we're going through this. It is not yeah. necessarily something that is your own doing, but that is given to you where like taking it back outside of the religious context, it can be looked at less as I have done different, acted differently. So now I've been redeemed, but it can be looked at as the same that you could be doing the same thing forever, but someone could be looking at it through a different moral lens all of a sudden or through a different context. Now, there's a redemption of your of yourself or of your character and it's a very it is a very challenging word to to define and pin down it is and i uh i was so so i think i think this was active or this was like a hot topic on twitter uh, a couple weeks ago there was sort of you know the occasional um burst of revisionism around um the the redemption arc of darth vader and then I went to church that Sunday, and the sermon was about redemption, and it was the idea of redemption versus salvation, and kind of parsing those two different words, uh, and and the different uh, uses of those words, and what they actually mean in the context of of uh, moving on from your sin. And one of the things that he said that that kind of caught my attention um, was that redemption is 
the first act that you take. It is not the last act that you take um, in the course of the clean, the pursuit of the clean slate uh, and the pursuit of the idea of being clean. Redemption is that first step of you're in the dark and you make a decision to step out of the dark and into the light. So it's kind of... Um, you know, it's it's the idea of putting on the white robe instead of the black one, but there's still a lot going on underneath that robe that has not been atoned for, that has not been discussed. It's just the decision to change your behavior and change what's been wrong in your heart. Um, so it's step one. And I think we talk about redemption as if it is the final step, and it is not. It's... Yeah, that's interesting because I I do think that a lot of times we think of it as as redemption being the the end of that process that you know they've been redeemed and now the story is over is like I, how how most stories about redemption tend to end especially in film and in and in popular media that's that's when the where the story ends I think in in Judaism we have this cycle of creation redemption and revelation that. Um, we constantly go through of creation being the 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 inception of of whatever it is that you recognize is is the the problem um, the moral qualm whatever it might be redemption being that middle step in the process where you are um, able to go from noticing to actualizing you're you're taking that's that that moment of i am changing from here forward um i am repossessing or regaining this opportunity from that is the old and this is the new and then revelation being where you were the end of the journey and you've actual and you've achieved and you're mm -hmm. able to receive the uh the new you the new world the the whatever it might be that you were striving for yeah. and then of course the process starts all over again because we're never perfect and we're constantly in, in struggle to be able to become more perfect people. And so, um, yeah, I think that that, that third step that you mentioned, I think, um, I think the third step in the context of Christianity that it, that is always been explained to me is that third step instead would be the word salvation or being oh, exactly. saved. And so there, there's, there's something between creation and then redemption, which is that step of realizing that you're a, a sinner and a, a fallen being in need of a savior. And then the last step is being saved. And then what I find to be so cool here, particularly with what you were talking about in the tradition of Judaism, which is totally true, um, you know, God spoke of Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. Um, you know, he said, um, I'm the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And so in that original context, it was about being delivered from slavery. and. In the New Testament, there was – I'm going to try to stick my landing on this. There, there was – you know, your disciples, um, a lot of them would give up their names. Um, a lot of them would give up their names and take on new names as disciples of Christ. And there is this 
concept in Christianity of dying to yourself and becoming a new person um, in your relationship with Christ, and you take on a new identity. Now, we don't change our names um, in modern modern Christianity. That doesn't really happen um, anymore. But it's it's this idea that kind of like goes back to like giving up your slave name. I mean, you, people say that all the time, sort of in the in the pop cultural context. But like that's always been part of being reborn. And it's funny because that is a concept that is alive in Star Wars too, which we can talk about. Um, exactly where I, yeah. I, where I was going. Yeah. I mean, there is 100% a, a, a angle of that too. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's really interesting that that third step is salvation and it is, um, it is, renouncing your old life and and becoming a new one or becoming a new person entirely and that is part of like moving on from the idea of spiritual slavery yeah i I mean when you were talking about the the name changing and and um the you know we don't necessarily take on new names um uh, automatically uh, changing your name is something that a lot of people will do when they adopt uh, a new religion or when they come to be, you know, reborn again. In That's true. Like Muhammad. Know, you know, plenty yeah. Of, yeah. Another example of exactly. And it's something that you see in star Wars it's, um, where you'll have the, the reverse action of Anakin Skywalker killing himself and becoming Darth Vader. And I think you have again at the end when he does achieve that redemption, yeah. or at least what we maybe is redemption. We'll talk about it in a moment, but um, of when he comes back as a force ghost at the very end, it's no longer Darth Vader there. It's Anakin Skywalker there because that's who he has been reborn as. Um, when exactly. He, when he achieves his, when, when he goes through his redemptive process. Yeah, and there's there's all this back and forth with like Jedi and Sith or dark side light side users where the giving up of your name and the adoption of a new one signals a death of the old person. I mean, I think nobody nobody made that more clear than Kylo Ren did. Um, you know, to to his father, he's very explicitly um, saying, um, you know, your son is dead or your son is gone. I destroyed him. He was weak and foolish. Um, and that idea of destroying your former identity and taking on this new name goes both ways. And then you you step away from the dark side and you renounce that Darth Vader title and you go back to your real name. But if you're a Sith, you consider your Darth name to be your real name because being a Sith has helped you break your chains uh, and your chains was your former life where you were more controlled, more part of a social fabric and not out there to fulfill your every desire and need for power. Um, I, it's, it's fun to watch that, that swing back and forth, particularly in star Wars. And I, I so glad you mentioned um, that or I, it just came up, you know, like with the idea of Muhammad, like you see this a lot in, in the, in the, is Islamic faith where, um, you know, like Muhammad Ali, like that's not his name. He took on that name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I believe exactly. you saw, you saw this with, with Malcolm X, I, th- I think at some point, um, I'm, I'm showing a little bit of my ignorance here, but I, you, you see that often, particularly in that faith where they do take on that new name. Well, and in Judaism, um, almost half of the, half of the, uh, 
forefathers, you know, at the very, very beginning of the Old Testament, all have their names changed at some point during that story. Um, you know, Abram becomes Abraham when he makes his covenant with God and when he accepts that he will become a Jew and that he um, will be part of this covenant with God. Same thing happens, a similar thing happens with um with with Jacob, he takes on the name of Israel um, when he has after he wrestles with God at the uh, in in the field when he's warring with his brother, and it's again another moment, a symbolic moment of um, you know that that idea of redemption that has nothing to do with morality, but it has to do with we're ending this period and we're beginning this new period, and that exactly an excellent way of marking that is this change of name and it's something that's been symbolic for all of time to change something's name when something becomes you even see it in in businesses or in you know in anything when you want to mark a new period in something's something's lifetime to to distinguish that that was the old this is the new you you change the name of it in order to be able to say to the world and to yourself that we are committing to this to this new step in our lives and hopefully the end is not the redemption but that you can go on to continue to achieve what you have what you set out to be redeemed of and reach that you know salvation or revelation or whatever you want to call it yeah no no longer is the christian a captive to sin and death instead he has become a citizen of god's kingdom um, it's, uh, it's taking on a new citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's talk specifically about that, uh, the, the arc of Anakin Skywalker. Do you, do you see it as, as a arc, as a redemption arc? So I do. Um, it is a redemption arc. It is not a salvation arc. Um, and so I think this is where uh, the hang-up often often happens because uh, it's it's important to remember in Star Wars that we are talking about robot space Hitler, and he has done um, horrific. Um, grisly things and committed um, probably too many atrocities to count uh, or account for. Um, But it is a redemption arc because what you have is the realization of um, wrongdoing and the discovery of a new path. What Darth Vader and, and I'm, I get I get really animated about this debate because this is this is the reason why I love Star Wars. The Anakin Darth Vader back to Anakin story is why I love this series. And so the the sort of like second take through modern political lens on it like deeply offends me. Um, it, it's it's this man who's trapped in the dark and he believes that he has to keep going forward because there is no road back and luke steps in to show him 
that there is a path backwards. And you can tell, particularly from the comics, the books, and then... Oh, exactly. Yeah. That, and, that first comic yeah. in the Star Wars and Darth Vader series. Exactly. He, he, he feels trapped. This is not where he wants to be. And they've made that more and more clear over time. But what you do when you fall into, the dar- into darkness and sin, into addiction, you convince yourself that there is no other road for you and that you just have to be on this road. And so Luke comes in to show him that there is something that he can do. And he decides to take that step um, and he pays a price for that step. Um, but we can we can delve into to that price thing um, as we continue the discussion. So to answer your question, yes, it is a redemption arc. Um, unfortunately, it's a short-lived one. Well, yes. Yeah, so the, when one of the first things you said reminded me of the the initial conversation we started having um, on Twitter like a month and a half ago when we first had this Id- the idea for this episode about whether you can have whether how redemption and and forgiveness come together. And when you were talking about how it's a redemption arc but not a salvation arc, it sounded exactly the same way that I would describe how his you know he he achieves that redemption but he certainly does not have the opportunity for forgiveness because you were talking about you know he's robot space hitler and so it, it brings me to that question of you know if if vader had or if anakin had gone on to live past his moment of redemption would it have been possible for him to have achieved um achieved salvation achieved revelation or i guess honestly achieve forgiveness i do you even do you even think that the forgiveness and the salvation in this context are interchangeable as the same as the same endpoint as the same idea yeah no i i don't think so um i i always liked to do the the mental exercise of uh you know luke luke said to vader come with me <laughs> come back like the idea that he was going to go back to the rebel base with darth vader is is hilarious to me um that would not have gone well at all um, yeah, no. <laughs> there i mean a couple one of two things would have happened um one he would have been um verbally or physically uh, assailed um for for what he has done and who he is and luke would not have been able to hold back the angry mob and the rebel base um from enacting uh justice uh or darth vader would have been assailed and then he would have decided to go back um to what he was doing because being in in a position of of weakness like that is not what he has been like mentally accustomed to doing um, for so long. And then he would have slipped back into the dark and massacred everybody um, on the point. And, you know, it's, it's sort of this idea that, so say he was taken back to the rebel base and then he was tried for his crimes. Um, Being tried for his crimes is societal justice, but it is not, uh, it does not wipe the slate clean. It does not fix the pain. It does not bring people's lives back. It just sort of puts a, a seal of justice on it, and it also does not achieve forgiveness either. Um, forgiveness is not something that humans are accustomed or to giving. It's not natural for them. Um, so I think salvation, 
I don't know. I think salvation is that eternal thing. It's what happens after death. And this is where Star Wars and Christianity in particularly diverge, which is that, you know, the idea of the afterlife and becoming the blue force ghost thing is not is not some sort of divine clean slate sort of thing. We've learned a lot more about what it takes to become a force ghost and it's it's much more of a I don't know what the word would be. It's more like a monkish practice that you have to achieve. It's more like nirvana than it is the force deciding who is clean and who is not, and then you get to live forever. Um, so it's like that, learning to fly in in the Avatar. Yeah, I mean, Airbender. Yeah, I, I think I think study on it real hard. I think that that is right. Which also, you know, the you know, Anakin reanimating um, complicates that uh, in a lot of ways. I think it, it contradicts some of what we've learned in past years um, because, you know, in theory, he would have had to have been studying it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think salvation in, in the Christian context is the thing that happens um, in the afterlife. It's not something that happens on earth because um, God takes the reins in your redemption and salvation is given to the people like you know the center through the messengers which is the church your pastor um your community um and then you you achieve that level later on um but there's a weird changing uh changing of hands with the power um to give salvation and star wars doesn't really speak to that in my opinion yes <laughs> and i'm thinking i'm thinking too now um that a big part of it as well as you know the salvation is something that you alone achieve through the actions that you take you know in or in in working to make your redemption having been fulfilled whereas that forgiveness part well there is of course the the self-forgiveness that is part of that arc of achieving salvation kind of the kind of forgiveness that i was initially talking about is something that really comes from the outside is uh which is two completely separate you know you can achieve that salvation and you know for yourself and what you believe is um having done all of the things that you needed to accomplish what you sought out to accomplish but the world around you does not have to forgive you and does not have to say that you have achieved that uh achieve that the two definitely separate well, yeah exactly separate you know salvation salvation refers to saving the individual from um the debt of punishment like it's it's being saved from having to atone for all the wrongdoing that you have done um and that's part of what you achieve uh in in your faith you achieve uh you, know, you achieve heaven, you achieve the afterlife, and you do not have to face up to everything that you have done. It is a single act that you did um, to accept the lamb, accept the innocent blood of Christ to pay that debt for you. And you don't have to atone for those things um, because it is paid for uh, by blood that is, you know, you know, in, in the faith as, as clean as it could be. Um, so there's, there's no way to scale that, uh, particularly, particularly in star Wars. So yeah, I mean like dying on the, on the floor of the death star saved Vader from having to face, 
the debt of punishment. But the slate is not clean. There's still a huge amount of suffering that recur that occurs um, as a result of his death. I mean, like Kylo Ren, just for example, like he doesn't know about Vader's redemption. He doesn't know about Vader's return to the light. And so Vader's return to the light did something for Luke. It did something for the galaxy because it led to the death of the Emperor. But he didn't get a chance to actually pay any sort of debt and let people know about the change that he had made. Um, And then so that suffering and that darkness and evil um, got passed on to someone else who who wanted to just continue what he was doing uh, or, you know, finish what he started. It's sad. Yeah, I I actually I didn't really think about that. I didn't really think of how um, Kylo probably did not have that that knowledge about about Darth Vader and how honestly can totally can totally see how that's you know I don't really I'm not in the business of speculation necessarily, but I feel like I can totally see how Ben finding out that his grandfather did go you know initiate that redemption and did return to the light at the end of his life and did have that moment of of saving luke and saving the galaxy from the empire that it could it could have a profound impact on him positively or negatively he could look at it as wow my role model did this and wow i I can't believe that i didn't think of it that way but i think it could also very easily have the effect of wow even he was too weak to stay with the dark side and and i need to be better than him and i'm ashamed that i was that i even thought of him this way and now i need to um go out and fulfill what he never could because he was weak and could not stick with with the darkness. Yeah, and I think with with Kylo Ren and and Vader worship, um, you know, I might I might have misspoke. I've, I've been sitting here thinking like, oh, what was it in the novelization again? I think it was Snoke saying to Kylo Ren that the only thing Vader ever did wrong was his moment of weakness on the Death Star. So maybe he does know about that, but. I think I feel like it's like through this weird like revisionist lens where he's not getting the Luke's version of the story, he's getting like the Snoke version of the story, um, and we don't know which one he buys. But the the one other thing that I kind of wanted to to zero in on was, you know, with Vader and uh, his redemption arc and and Christianity, you know, there there is the redeemed and the redeemer, and in in Vader's situation he ends up kind of being both which isn't exactly how you know the faith would work so you know in in christianity vader would be redeemed he would be seeking redemption and there would have to be somebody to pay the price um with their purity there would have to be that lamb and in star wars there is no lamb um so Luke is the closest thing to being the Redeemer, um, but all that he does is is show Darth Vader the path. So he's more like an angel in that context. He's more like he's more like this this being that comes to him to show him that there is a road back um, to the light and that there is another option. But no one is sacrificed. Vader finds the light or is shown the light and then he sacrifices himself but he is not pure so in in that sense like if you're coming to it uh from the christian faith like that's not exactly 
the right trade. That's not the Christian trade, like the real Christian trade-off or act of redemption, the, you know, the idea of purchasing something back at cost, like we were talking sort of about the transactional nature of, of redemption, is the Aslan you know, instance in Narnia. And, and that obviously works better because Narnia was built um, in, in the Christian theological sense. But you know, Aslan is a pure um, being with no sin or flaw who carries the mantle of purity in the exchange for you know a boy who you know did something wrong for a piece of candy um so star wars sort of like the theology of star wars is muddy in that area but that's because it was intentionally muddy george lucas sort of just took a bunch of different things and ideas and sort of mashed them and uh, mashed them into one thing um so it's it's fun it's fun and complicated and it's it's neat to see vader kind of play both roles um as the redeemed and the redeemer yeah i think having having more than one uh you know story that it draws from and and, and having it not be a direct parallel makes it more dynamic than you know just a retelling through space opera of a story that is already out there it gives it you know more of the dynamic that is gives us cause to have these conversations in the first place. Instead of it being a direct Bible study, it's more of a, a a more dynamic conversation on what redemption is and means and how you achieve it. So another another story of redemption in Star Wars that I've been struggling with for I don't know, the course of this whole year, I guess, comes from Star Wars Rebels cartoon Mm -hmm. uh, animated show where, for some background, there is a character who has been a bad guy from the very beginning, Agent Callus. He's a total terrible guy who is extraordinarily proud of his role in basically exterminating an entire species. Um, And... He spends the entire first two seasons of the show being an adversary to the main heroes and just being in a general, you know, generally being a jerk until one day he gets stranded on this frozen moon with the one of the last members of the species that he was a pivotal part in destroying, the Lasad, and he goes from that moment on into this redemptive arc that he becomes a pivotal part of the rebellion by secretly providing them with information from inside of the imperial ranks um until eventually he no longer can because he's been made and he has to escape he does and now we know from just the trailers we've received that in the upcoming final season he he appears to be a a full-on member of the of the rebellion (laughs) and so um agent callus is a favorite character of many uh, a Star Wars Rebels viewer, uh, not only because of the you know memes out there of Hot Callus, but Hot he just—he's a very—he's a really interesting character. He has a very full, uh, fleshed-out character arc that um, you know a lot. You can't honestly say the same thing for every character in the show. Um, Safe and and he's one for for every new character in the show. He's one of the new ones, as opposed to some of the older characters that have come back from Clone Wars, from other properties where you know Ahsoka and 
Captain Rex and these other characters who have come back um, to, to close up their story arcs. This is a totally new one that drew a lot of attention and that for me begs this question of, you know, can he go from being this essentially leader of a genocide, he destroyed an entire planet and its people, and he may not been, have been the one that was the primary person in charge of that mission, but he certainly takes great pride in the work that he did in that um, earlier on. And he, he's certainly not like the lowest on the rung necessarily either during mm -hmm. that invasion. And so, you know, I guess based on the conversation we've had so far of what redemption is, I think that I would say safely that yes... Callus has seen, has at least from what we understand of this incomplete story, he has achieved redemption. He has gone through that that moment of, I'm going to you know, make my sacrifice. I'm going to do what is right to, to start this new chapter and to be um, putting the bad things I've done behind me and, and work for the sake of good. But you know, will he? Can't? Does he have the ability? to go through this full cycle and be re be by you know our common vernacular word redeemed fully or you know salvation or be can others forgive him yeah. for what he's done should they and just like it is 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 he a character worthy of redeeming not just because we like him but because you know the horrendous things that he is complicit in and that he was proud of being a part of is is he re is he able to achieve that that full redemption? Yeah, well, I think the answer is always that yes, anybody is able of um, seeking and and finding redemption. At the end of the day, redemption is not given to you by your neighbor. That is what forgiveness is, and you may never achieve that. But I think what Callus, uh, where he is currently in the story, is in pursuit of redemption. I I don't believe that. In, in this context, I, I think Vader is a little bit different because Vader, um, he pays the bill with his life in the end. Um, he he I mean, giving giving up your own life is the ultimate the ultimate form of of paying for something uh, that you have done. Um, Callus has changed his uniform, and the one point that I like to make just maybe to be a contrarian is that we don't really know everything that's going on inside his head and i think you have to wonder sometimes when people change sides when it is self-preservation uh, and when it is a moral crisis and at the end of the day you want people who are trapped in evil um, and darkness to have a moral crisis and actually pursue redemption. But I do believe that redemption um, does involve at some point, I don't want to say, I don't want to say like, um, not payback, but th there's, there's something that you have to give up in, in pursuit of redemption. And I just, I don't know if it's just changing your uniform and trying on a new haircut. I think that, <laughs> I think that's the first step in the pursuit of redemption and it comes from inside. And if you're talking about star Wars where there is no God or Christ um, to give that redemption, I think it, at the end of the day, it comes down to you and also maybe the forces plan for you. If the force, if the force sees uh, a way forward to use you for what it wants to do. Like, I think that is, I think that is where we look at for redemption. Um, 
I, I callous is horrible. I mean, like he he is, you know, he's a rank and file like Nazi type. Um, but I, I it just kind of worries me, I guess, that we are in this cultural moment of pr- preferring that evil people remain in their camp because they are not able uh, to pursue the other option. Um, we sort of like wall off this idea that they can participate in the doing of good because they have been trapped in the darkness. And that um, would definitely take me in, into a modern political uh, you know, discussion with you and, and another movie I wanted to bring up. Um, but I think the callous situation is, uh, is complicated for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, Exactly. He's he goes beyond just the I was following orders because we know that he was he was he was gladly partaking in what he was partaking in. It wasn't like he was some person who had no choice but to join the empire because his lowly planet was overtaken and his only way to support his life or his family or his life his livelihood were to join with the imperial army and and whatnot. Like clearly he. We don't know why he joined, but we know that he certainly did not do so begrudgingly, and he was a a, a very willing participant. Yeah, in the the horrors that he committed. But I definitely, yeah, your your point on that we tend to root for those who we see as evil to stay evil, so we can continue to vilify them and have an enemy to point to and scapegoat is is definitely it's it's problematic, and it's also interesting that. Callus is very much not a character who people look at and say, I want him to stay evil. You know, we, um, but that's because we've already seen him cross over that threshold, make that decision that he is going to work towards not being evil anymore. And so, you know, I don't think that anyone looked at him a year ago and said, that's someone who I hope becomes a good guy later. Like, because, because there was no expectation that he would. And so we, we certainly looked at him as someone like, you know, that's a great villain. And I'm glad that he's a great villain, but now he's a, now he's a, a good guy and we want him, you know, we're rooting for him and think he's a great good guy. Yeah. And so it's interesting that parallel with like, yeah, I think that it's pretty often and pretty, pretty common and normal and regular that people will, will, um, look at those whom in public life they they vilify and say, you know, I only hope for bad things for this person because that will continue to make me right in that they're bad and it will continue to make me feel better that I am yelling about them and that, um, you know, they're, they're the enemy that we can target and point at for our troubles. Yeah, well, Whereas yeah. If, they, if they change, then it gives us such a harder, you know, it's it's hard to go, you know, I hated that person forever, but now they're changing and it's so it's so hard to accept that maybe this person is changing the ways their ways, whether it's because they had a moral crisis or because of their convenience. We don't know for certain in, in probably most cases, but um, yeah. I certainly welcome you to to go on and talk a little bit about some of those other yeah. points you wanted to bring up. Well, you know, in short, like as long as there are Nazis out there. Um, to provide the ultimate anchor of evil, then nobody else has to look in the mirror and question uh, what they've got wrong in their life. And with Agent Callus, you know, I think I think the word I was looking for earlier was was sacrifice. Like I think 
Yes. I think redemption requires sacrifice, and I'm not sure what he's sacrificed yet besides his standing in a genocidal regime. And even though he was at you know at one point proud of of his actions and you know quite delighted to be doing well in the empire, I think I think that's I guess that's normal for someone who is is in that situation and they're trying to succeed. But at what po- at some point you you look at that and you feel shame and nobody nobody is going to feel more shame about what you did uh, in any bad situation than you and we haven't quite seen too much of that shame and that tortured feeling that I think anyone like Agent Callus should feel. Um, and it's 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 going to be hard to figure out like how they're going to fit maybe his pursuit of, of a, of a more clear redemption arc in there besides just changing his uniform. Cause I don't think changing a uniform is quite enough. You have to really give up something, um, on the altar. And so I, I mentioned, you know, Nazis as the perfect ultimate base form of evil, which allows a lot of people the uh, ability to say, well, at least I'm not those guys. And that, is great. Um, so we have, you know, uh, this movie American History X as uh, an old um, Edward Norton movie. I think early 2000s. It was by Tony Kay. Um, this starred Ed- Edward Norton, Edward Furlong as two brothers uh, involved in a uh, neo-Nazi, uh, I guess, gang group in California. And Edward Norton is the ringleader and really the face of the neo-Nazi movement in California, his character, Derek. And he is uh, bringing up his younger brother who's in high school, Danny, who's played by Edward Furlong in this movement as well. And he brutally murders, um, uh, two black guys who are carjacking um, his vehicle outside and goes to prison. And he goes uh, behind bars. He falls in with the Aryan Brotherhood there. Uh, doesn't much like them because, you know, they're dicks. And he becomes good friends um, with uh, another black inmate by the name of Lamont. And when the Aryan Brotherhood catches on to that, he is befriending um, uh, one of the black guys in jail. Um, they beat him and rape him in the shower. And there's a moment after that, you know, he's kind of like hit rock bottom. He's been beaten and raped by his own uh, tribe, his own guys. And he's now questioning like, who am I? What am I? Like, if I, if this is what happens to me for this, um, who am I in bed with? And he's visited by his old high school teacher, um, who is a, an African-American man. And he, that teacher is now teaching his younger brother, Danny. And he says, you know, your brother is on the same track that you are. Um, after everything that you have done, after every decision that you have made, has your life gotten any better? Um, is this is the question that he asks them. And then, um, Derek, played by Norton, breaks down crying, and that is his moment. That is his moment of awakening. That is his moment of Darth Vader on the the boardwalk or, or whatever, the, the bridge in Indoor when he walks over to the glass and just stares out blankly as, as Luke is led up to Vader. That's his moment of awakening. And then he's out of jail, 
and he's trying to save his brother from that movement. And I will try to wrap this up quickly. Um, nobody likes it that he has moved on from neo-Nazism and racism. Uh, all of his old friends hate him. His brother hates him for it. But he eventually pulls his brother out uh, of it. And his brother sees the light, accepts that hate is nothing but baggage, and it weighs you down in life. But the movie concludes with his younger brother being gunned down by a young black boy in the bathroom of the high school. And that boy is initiating into a gang of his own. And what you see with the death of Danny at the hands of another kid who's initiating into a gang is just how circular hate and pain and, and death is um, because this was payback for the killing in the beginning of the movie that his brother committed. And so, sure, Edward Norton's character is redeemed. He steps out of the dark into the light, and he starts trying to pull people out of that movement. But what can he do to reverse all of the horrible things that he did while he was a staunch um, and uh, a staunch Nazi and leading tons and tons of young people down that road. Um, there's a popular uh, former former neo-Nazi in the States right now. I can't remember his name, but he's on Vice often. And he, he just says, like, my life mission right now is to help pull up the weeds that I planted, all the seeds that I planted. I now have to pull up those weeds. And that is a pretty good way to put it. And there's also a sacrifice uh, that is made in his brother, Danny. He loses his younger brother um, because of actions that he took earlier on. And you see how uh, the cycle of pain just goes round and round. And so it's, it's not like that is the moment where the check is paid, but he does pay for something in a very serious way. And... I guess I just bring up that story because in our in our current climate, we're talking a lot about Nazis and white supremacists and people who are um, sucked into racism. And we should always remember that our desire should be to pull those people out. Our desire should be to show them the light. It should be to ask them, has anything you've done in your life um, actually made it any better? and to get them to accept uh, what Abraham Lincoln said, we are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Through passion may have strained, um, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic cords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely they will be by our better angels of our nature. And we should be striving to find the better angels in other people and also in ourselves um, to to kind of like cap off my monologue. I'm sorry for going so long. Um, you know, that's why I, I, I get really uncomfortable with um, in the in the empire, Imperials are combatants to rebels. Um, so this is a little bit different, but in the context of uh, punch a Nazi um, in in the American American context. We're talking about fellow Americans. We're not talking about enemy combatants. Um, 
if you want to punch a Nazi and that makes you feel good about yourself and about your beliefs and helps you sugarcoat a lot of your flaws and your shortcomings, then great, good for you. Um, but you have just deepened that person, um, deepened the darkness in that person. You've pushed that person further into their camp. Um, they will not come further out as a result of being punched by you. Um, so Star Wars, American History X, um, all of this, uh, it just keeps me focused on redemption and trying to help other people find theirs. Um, but it is unclear in some, some contexts what is required for real redemption. It can be devastating, and for some people it might not be. Extremely well put. And I think that's what brings us back to how we first began our conversation with we don't know what the what the extreme details of of achieving those redemptions might be, but we certainly know that that the only way that achieving redemption can be possible is by creating space and community where you're able to go about it in in this this sort of way where we're having conversation where we're, where we're where we're engaged as opposed to just being in um in conflict with one another where being adversarial is not not the step towards redemption you know darth vader was not redeemed because someone fought him darth vader was anakin was redeemed because someone someone loved him because someone wanted to connect with him um, yeah so yeah and it's it's that I, 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 with Darth Vader, I what I often say is like my favorite moment in all of Star Wars is when Luke is writhing on the ground under the bolts of electricity from Palpatine, and Vader is looking on, and you can see the flashes in his eyes, and it's amazing. That moment is amazing because Darth Vader looks sad, and. It, it, it's a mask. The mask doesn't ever change. It's just the way that he's looking down and you see these flashes of light in his eyes. You just see brokenness. And it's so cool because it's not a different face. Uh, and I just wonder what he's thinking about and what he's seeing. I often, whenever I look into his eyes, I see just a flashing of everything like the prequels the clone wars like all flashing in the lenses of his mask for the viewer to see like it's all replaying in his head and he is going he is answering that question that is asked in american history x has anything you've done made your life any better and he's standing there over his son the the child of the woman who he loved more than anything being tortured before his very eyes he didn't even know he had a son a few years ago and he's going to let him be tortured and killed and he says no my life is not better and nothing i have done in the past 20 30 years has made it any better and i'm going to change and he gives his life for that and that is something to be commended and uh yeah it's inspiring to me to this very day star wars is a very incredible and deep story and yeah i thank you immensely for the the wisdom that you have brought onto this subject um the the name of the person that you were talking about before the the former neo-nazi that uh, goes around doing a lot of public speaking. His name's Christian. 
forget his last name, but he has an organization called Life After Hate. Yeah, that's that, the one. Um, it does some really, really great work working to help de-radicalize um, some of some of the most embattled, embattled people in our in our country. So that's something that I certainly recommend looking up that organization and the kind of work that they and he do uh, do and does. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for this extraordinary, extraordinarily, uh, you know, deep and insightful conversation. This is definitely like the most religious that our my my show has gotten uh, in in a long while. That's and, awesome. You know, it's it's more about it's more about morality and such than it is about about religion. But you know, I I am a religious person. Many people out there are religious, and there's certainly ways that you can take the you know the, the the religious stories and the religious ideals uh, ideas behind these themes and be able to apply them just as universally regardless of your own faith and your own beliefs so definitely we're you were definitely and we were definitely i think well able to take all of these uh these subjects and and, and weave them into a a pretty Good story and productive conversation. I, I think so. And this has been so much fun for me, um, Jason. I really appreciate you having me on because these are some things that I've I've been dying to talk about. And we haven't quite um, made made the time or found the opportunity yet on Beltway Banthas to do that. If I could add one more thing that I just wanted to say, because Absolutely. you brought up Christian and life after hate, and it just it like set off this light bulb in my head, which was uh, I was watching Christian and life after hate. They had a special um, on uh, on on epics um, on on pay per view, and they were uh, doing an episode of some show where Christian brought a girl out of hate um she became like a neo-nazi um youtube star that kind of thing and the way that he brought her out was exposing to her how what she had been taught and told by an influencer in her life someone who brought her in to neo-nazism and white nationalism he exposed that that person was a lie that person was a fraud and it was not by trying to tell her she was wrong. It was by exposing a lie that was told to her. And that is what snaps in Vader. Um, that is what snaps in Edward Norton's character in American History X. It is realizing that they have been told a lie by the person who indoctrinated them. And Vader knows that about Palpatine and the idea that he could save Padme. Um, and that's that's the common thread, right? It's it's exposing the lie, which is hate, and and you know being in the dark. Uh, you don't have to be. So thank you so much for for bringing me on today. Um, this has been this has been coming. really really fun you're always welcome back and yeah hey on that last point i in the kind of conflict resolution work that i do and that i've studied it's exactly that's what it's about it's and you're never working to try and prove the other person wrong when you when you're when you're having conflict resolution that's not productive you can't you can't tell someone they're wrong and expect them to come along with you in some new way <laughs> your work is to be able to your work is to be able to show them that there's some sort of truth that's beyond what their current perception is that yeah that, they're not wrong, but you're trying to show that you're right. And it's just that that, that attitude of going about it and that, that way of trying to go about resolving conflict is 
it sounds like it's a matter of semantics and to an extent it is, but it's really about, you know, you don't want to have an adversarial relationship with the person you're in conflict with. You want to be able to have a relational one that allows you to be able to show them that there is a different truth that, that they can, that they can come to understand. And so, yes, that is an excellent example. Holy and, star Wars. Yeah. This is good <laughs> stuff, man. <laughs> exactly. All right, and that brings us to the end of this week's special episode of Beltway Banthas, a crossover episode with the Holy Star Wars podcast by Jason Flat. If you enjoyed this interview, this is what Jason Flat does every other week. It's the Holy Star Wars podcast. Go to holystarwars.net. Follow them on Twitter, holy underscore star underscore wars. And you can also follow Jason at flatter you on Twitter and he will flatter you. You can follow me on Twitter at Steven underscore Kent eight, nine and Beltway Banthas at Beltway Banthas. We will be back next week with a special interview with Star Wars author Chuck Windig. And we hope you will tune in to hear from him and our team on Beltway Banthas about the politics of the new Republic era. Until then, may the force be with you, always.